Hello and welcome to Kingdom Conversations, a ministry of Faith Covenant Church. We are so excited to have you today as we talk about all things related to the Kingdom of God. Hello and welcome back to Kingdom Conversations. We are in the middle of a fascinating testimony where we are really seeing God's glory walked out in my friend Kathy's story. And so if you're just chiming in and you didn't get to hear the first part, please make sure, even if you listen to all of this, that you go back and you listen to last week because um, I want you to see how God started their story and we're picking up midway through. So Kathy, would you just introduce yourself and would you do a quick recap for somebody maybe just coming in or even a reminder for somebody who hasn't, it's been a whole week now. Hi, I'm Kathy, and I met Charles, who was serving a 120-year sentence in a maximum security prison. I had fallen in love with him, and we got married after knowing each other for seven years, and he was under the parole system, uh, which they parole very few people each year, and so the possibility of him getting paroled was very slight. And we had to live with that reality of that we might be spending the rest of our married life in prison or doing time together. Yeah. Because that's, I love that you said it like that because it was as though you were doing time as well. The man that you loved. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we are picking up and I had kind of left us with a little cliffhanger Mm -hmm. asking about the victim's family, the parole hearings, but I want you to go back. Let's talk about how long until finally you go to a parole hearing were you prepared at all that he was ever going to be released early? We always had hope. Okay. Um, but the reality was that it wasn't looking very good. Yeah. And had the victim's family ever come, did you say? They wrote uh, a letter. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But they didn't come to any of the previous ones. Correct. Okay. And so you you go, let's talk about the day that he actually is going to be paroled. How long has he been in prison? He has been in prison for 35 years. We were married for 22 years and we were together for 29 years. That's incredible. Yes. And it's such a beautiful story because usually the hearings would be in Tallahassee. This particular hearing in September 2015 was right here in Gulfport, which what? is where I live. Yes. Oh, God, it's so good. Yes. And know. that's a whole story as far as how that happened, and he got to be um, go to that hearing. But uh, it was just a beautiful experience. Uh, I always say it's a time where God showed up and he just showed out. Wow. Um, that particular morning, it was pouring down rain and loud, th- loud sounds of thunder. And one of my friends texts me and she goes, you could see that God is letting us know that he is powerful and mighty. And so for that hearing, 50 people showed up to support him. And is that because it was local and they were yes. able to? Yes. So God is so good. Yes. He's just, do you think that made a difference having so many? Or do they have the answer before you even walk They, out? I think they have the answer before okay. we're going to go. But it was wonderful that so many people who had been supporting him for all these years were able to be there and experience yeah. it. And so um, when 
we had to get there at nine o'clock in the morning, but he wasn't, his case didn't come up until 1130. So here we all are crowded in this hallway because there wasn't room in the, in the room, in the courtroom. And it was just such a beautiful time Mm. of us gathering together, praying together, sharing with one another and the anticipation. So when it was finally our turn and then all of us jammed in the room, uh, from wall to wall, some people even did still have to stay on the hallway because it was so crowded. And after we spoke and all three commissioners voted for parole and the supporters started yelling and clapping their hands and shouting. But the thing is, Mary, I just sat there. It was just so surreal. I bowed my head and I just closed my eyes and I said, Oh, thank you, God. Our dream is finally coming true. We didn't know if it would ever happen. And it's like, God, you are so faithful. Just thank you for for answering our our prayer and our dream. Mm. I just love how God walked that out because I'm thinking how supported Charles must have felt. Yes. But Kathy, how supported you must have felt. Right. Having all these people around you. Yes. And when I say 50 people showed up, but over 100 people wrote letters of support. So Mm -hmm. people had been following our story for many years. And it just showed me, too, the body of Christ coming together and supporting one another, you know, being there for one another. And it was, it was just a beautiful experience. Okay. So, but I'm imagining this is a total change because your entire marriage (laughs) has been very orderly. Mm -hmm. There's been letters and phone calls and boundaries in place. Mm -hmm. What happens next? So did he get to walk out of prison that day? No, um, three weeks, which still seemed pretty quick to me. Um, so I picked him up three weeks later and, um, he was, wow, that's just amazing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And he had to go to Miami to pick him up and even just the drive home. It was just so fun because he like, he hadn't seen a rabbit in 35 years. And so, Oh, look at that, you know, and just everything was so new. Um, and it was such a great experience. Um, but then I, he did have to go to a halfway house for, he was going to be there for a year and that was in Tampa. And so of course there were some restrictions and still some structure, but he was at least free. What does a halfway house look like? Do, is it a, um, do they have somebody who oversees prisoners that are being released and how many are in a house? Or? Yeah. Well, he was in a program down at a Miami prison and that's the only place that they parole people from. Mm. And so the guys in the house, majority of them were from that prison. So they've all been in prison for a long time. Um, They probably had about 15 guys in the house. It's just like a three-bedroom house or four-bedroom house. And they didn't have anybody supervising, but they do have a parole parole officer that could stop by at any time, (laughs) you know, to make sure you're where you're supposed to be. And, um, And then they did have a pastor that was over the house and that he would stop by. So there, there was some support there. And I'm thinking even with that many people in a small space, they probably are so grateful to have just, they're just free. Yes. So were they able to go like to the store and to do things? What did that look like? Well, they were expected to get a job and they did have some boundaries as far as they could, like there was a park close by they could go to, um, Yes, a couple hours a week you were allowed to go out and go shopping 
And so I would pick him up. We'd go to Walmart, his first Walmart trip. <laughs> he survived. <laughs> <laughs> well, I kind of like, though, that I'm imagining, like, going grocery shopping together. Yeah. That was like a dream yes. for so many yes. years, right? Yeah. yeah. Things we take for granted. Right. One funny story is we went to Target, and we brought one of his friends with him that didn't have transportation. So I was just observing it. He was trying. They were trying on clothes, and so Charles came out, and he said, okay, so this is what you do. You get a number of items and then you go in, you try on the clothes and then you come out and you give them which ones you want and it was just like oh. such a simple thing but it was brand new for him yes. and he was glad to be able to share it with somebody else how you do the, how you yes. do the process what joy seeing things through a lens things that we could take for granted absolutely yeah 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 i mean like he he was like a kid in a toy store That's everything so was so new and he embraced every experience uh, from riding a bicycle for the first time in 35 years wow. to be able to go to a park and like I could sit on his lap without like, okay, they're going to say something, you know? Yes, and yes. it was, uh, it was just joy, a joy. Yeah. Yes. Joy. Yeah. So you're talking and I'm just watching God yeah. radiate. Like I just see that joy yes. there. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I remember some of my friends when I would put post pictures on Facebook, they said when they looked at his f smile, unspeakable joy mm. that's what they how they described yeah. it and that that was really true wow so how tell me when did things start to change for charles well i noticed after a couple of months that he was getting quieter and a little bit more distant and eventually he shared with me that he was going through depression and that his past had really come back to haunt him. Oh. Some childhood wounds and just uh, past failures and, of course, the crime. And, the, you know, even though he had prepared himself emotionally and mentally when he was in prison for, for his return to society, he recognized that he had compartmentalized mm -hmm. some areas mm -hmm. of his life, and now he was coming face-to-face -face with them. Yes. So... He tried to deal with the emotions on his own, but Mary, little by little, he just started to unravel. And he really went from being in a physical prison to being in an emotional yes, prison. Yes. And it was just mm -hmm. so hard to watch and wanting to help but not knowing what to do. Um, he began questioning if what he had believed and taught about the gospel and Christ's love for him actually applied mm -hmm. to him. He had so many doubts. And, you know, I think about how scripture tells us that Satan is out to steal, kill, and destroy, yeah. and that he is a deceiver that not only tells us lies, mm -hmm. but brings up our past yes. and uses it against yes. us. And that's what he did with Charles. Yeah. And Charles, you know, became deceived. And mm -hmm. He forgot his identity in Christ. Which is the very heart of what yes. you love helping others. Find. Yes, yes. Yeah. He no longer saw himself as being a creation of God and forgiven and redeemed. He was really just stuck in his past, and he didn't know mm -hmm. how to move forward. And again, there was, like, I didn't know what to do to help him. And he believed the lie that he, because of his crime, that God could not love him. Mm -hmm. He just felt so much shame and guilt, and he was convinced that he was a burden to me and um, that I would be better off without him. Yeah. 
listening to that voice, that voice that leads to destruction. And so I just feel like if there's somebody right now, maybe as Kathy is describing that, you're feeling condemnation. And we know that our truth is God's truth and it comes from God's word. And it says that there's now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So we know that that's a lie and we have to put on the armor of God. We have to take every thought captive um, because God wants you to find freedom. Something my friend Debbie Friley says in her freedom workshop that I was reminded of as you were sharing this was she said, freedom is when you think of a POW, they might've been locked up for years and years, but there's this picture and it's so powerful. And it's a picture of a person in a cage and the door is wide open, but they Mm -hmm. don't see that open door. They're kind of cowered in the corner. That's what the enemy just absolutely loves. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he's feeling all of these things. I'm assuming you're speaking truth to him, but he's not able to receive it. Correct. What happens next? Well, he, he in his mind, he thinks that the only option is divorce. Mm. I, I, oh, my uh, heart for you. Yes. Yeah. How yeah. long is this at this point? It's probably about seven months after okay. six oh. or six months after he was released. Wow. Yeah. So about six months since you had fifty people sitting in that courtroom, yeah. which was the the probably the mountaintop experience yes. that you had, and then yeah. to be experiencing this. Yeah. So Kathy, you're telling me what he's feeling. What were you? Feeling? Oh, I mean, I was devastated. I was just in shock. Um, that he would even consider that, you know, he was always a fighter and one that wouldn't give up. And we were always committed to working through any kind of problem that we might have. And especially after such short amount of time is like, I, I was in disbelief. Um, the pain was just, you know, gut wrenching. And I was, I was just shaken to my core. And just like you said, I went from experiencing ecstasy to agony and Mm. from such happiness to heartbreak. And I mean, the hurt and the sadness was just unbearable. I felt like my heart was just ripping in half and just feelings of helplessness and despair came upon me. Yeah. I can only imagine. Yeah. Um, and so how long did that go on where you were sitting in the thought, but nothing had happened? When did the divorce actually? Probably a couple months later. Okay. Um, initially, I had said to him that I wouldn't divorce him. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't give him a divorce. And, you know, it was interesting that during that time, we were, we did a lot of talking and, you know, he revealed more and more about the emotional struggles he was going through. And so it wasn't like there wasn't love there, but he just was so convinced that I was, he was a burden. You know, isn't that the enemy's trick? His whole focus, he was consumed with himself. Yes. He was consumed with how he was feeling, how he was not worthy. Mm -hmm. And all of us can relate to that. Yes. Yeah. So how did, um, when Charles asked for the divorce, when did it finally happen and what did that look like? Yeah, it was a couple months later. I mean, we we did a lot of talking and then, you know, there was, it takes two people to have a marriage. And so it's, I, so I did agree to it and, um, oh, 
That's you know, and but the, here's the thing: is what should have been the happiest time of my life was turning into the most devastating one. And I'm uh, imagining you were probably missing the days of incarceration when, and I mean that in a way where the relationship yeah. you had with him during those yes, days. yes, just all the the deep conversations, the intimacy, your best friend. Best friend, yes. And so I had to really grieve all the dreams and the hopes and things that we had planned and talked about for years, like doing ministry together and uh, just going and exploring new places. So um, my heart was just crushed and um, my dreams were shattered. And it's like, how do I pick up the pieces? Um, How did God meet you in that very hard season? What are things he has given you to hang on to, to grow you, to draw you to him more intimately. Mm. Wow. Where do we begin? (laughs) There's so much. Um, And of course, I go into a lot more detail in in the book, but I was so desperate for Jesus's presence. And Mm. he was so faithful to just meet me in my brokenness, you know, he became my confidant and just my safe place. And I just felt him wrapping his loving arms around me and comforting me. It was, it was really just such a precious time. But one of the things I did is I spent time learning to lament or expressing my grief to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I did that by reading the Psalms. You know, the psalmist did a lot of lamenting and there's four things that they did. They turned to the Lord they talked to the Lord about how they felt and and asked questions, and then they they told the Lord their complaints and their burdens and their request. And in time, the psalmist trust God yeah. with the outcome, oh, even good. if it wasn't what they had wanted. Yeah. And so I focused on acknowledging His character and and His promises to me. And so I would just pour out my heart through lamenting mm-hmm. and. I also ask God not to waste my pain, but to strengthen my character, to develop my Mm -hmm. character, and to teach me the lessons that he wanted me to learn through this, and of course, to draw me into a closer relationship with him. And I also learned that the psalmist, they just expressed all their emotions to the Lord. They didn't keep anything in, and that is so helpful when you're going through a painful time to not feel like you have to put on the happy face or that everything is fine. Be real with God. And if you have a close friend that you could also be open with, that is just so helpful. Um, But I did have to ask him because there were times that my feelings overtook what I believed about God. Mm -hmm. So I had to um, come to him and, and say, okay, how do I view God? Am I going to, um, will I believe what the Bible says about who God is, or am I going to believe my feelings? And through the lamenting, that's when I chose to believe what the Bible says about God's character, um, even when it didn't line up with what I was feeling or experiencing. You know, for example, like his word says that God is good, even when my circumstances are not good. So since he is a good God who loves me and knows what is best, I can trust that he has a purpose for my pain. Mm -hmm. So those are the sort of things that I did. One of the other things that I did is I asked a lot of why questions, (laughs) but those questions led me to who. Mm -hmm. For example, who can take my shattered mess 
and turn it into a message of hope? Who offers peace in the midst of a storm? Who can take what was meant for evil and make something good come from it? Who can heal my broken heart and make me whole? The who is Jesus. And that brought so much comfort. And then the other thing that I did is I learned to rest. Mm. And let me explain that. Because a rest, rest allowed me just to slow down, to be still and quiet as I enjoyed God's presence. I invited Jesus into those places in my heart that were filled with that hurt and brokenness and loneliness. And as I was silent and waited, God just met me there and ministered to me personally. Mm. And I guess the last thing that I would say is that during those times when I couldn't see or didn't like what God was doing, if I'm being honest, I found it helpful to meditate on God's character by going through the letters of the alphabet. (laughs) Let me explain and reflecting on who he is. So I'd start with the letter A. Well, God is able. Mm. B. Jesus is my burden bearer. C, Christ is my comforter. So I would go through each letter, and and I do this throughout the day. It could be I'm driving in the car or going for a walk or doing the dishes. And again, that just helped me to put my focus on Jesus and remember who he is. Yeah. Did you do that for the entire alphabet? Yeah. uh, Some letters were a little bit more challenging. (laughs) I want you to send that to me because that is so powerful. Can I tell you that I will never look at the word lament the same again after hearing how God used that as a vehicle to heal you. Mm -hmm. And I looked up the definition of lament while you were um, sharing because my heart was so moved to it. And it says to grieve, weep, or wail deeply. Mm-hmm. to feel sorrow, to regret deeply. And I'm just thinking, as you're talking about it in the Psalms, I do, I see David lament. Yes. And I see him, I, I see him walk through anger sometimes, mm-hmm. sadness, hopelessness, but he always finishes mm-hmm. with remembering Remember. who God is. Yes. What a powerful testimony yeah. that is. Mm. It was wow. so helpful. Wow. And then I just want to tell you, when you talked about finding rest, I'm your Facebook friend. And one of my favorite things is you love to hike. Mm -hmm. So when you go to different places and you're hiking and there's pictures of you, like with a canyon, you went to a desert to, was it a Arizona or somewhere? Um, North, well, I go to a lot to North Carolina. North Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> Arizona, North I've Carolina. I've been to Arizona before <laughs> yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But when you're there and I'm see, I see the rest is what I was, mm-hmm. that's what the Lord brought to mind. There's yes. true peace and joy and rest. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had been talking prior to taping this about, I want to hear about um, how the victim's mm-hmm. family responded. Yeah. But what I want to do first is say, where is Charles today? Mm-hmm. And then let's close because God's not done with Charles yet, right? Correct. So tell me where he is now and then tell us about this family member reaching out to you yeah. of the person that was murdered. Mm. Well, Charles um, recently got released from parole. So he is totally off of parole. He lives in the area and he works, works in the area. We don't have a lot of communication. I, I just kind of felt like for my emotional well-being that, um, I needed to, you know, put up some boundaries. I care very deeply about what happens to him. So there are occasions that we do talk. Um, 
I would say he's still on his journey of seeking God and wanting to find that peace that we know only comes from God. So um, I'm encouraged by that, that God is still wooing him. And one of the ways that he has wooed him is Charles, I've asked him before, have you been able to receive my forgiveness? And he says, no. I haven't been able to. And I said, are you able to receive God's love? And he says, no. So maybe two years ago now at one of his parole hearings, and that was during COVID. So it was during on phone instead of in person. And, um, the niece of the victim who lived in Colorado called in to the parole hearing. And I didn't know anything about this. And so later on that day, I got a Facebook message from her and she said, I'm, trying to get in touch with Charles. I was at on the phone call and I wanted to let him know that the family has forgiven him and that our prayer is that he would walk with Jesus the rest of his days. And I just start bawling. I was first of all, just so thankful that God allowed me to be part of this um, experience because for all these years I had gone to the parole hearings. And so just to see the outcome of that, this person that he was forgiven. So of course I called him and we're both crying and, um, it was a lot for him to process. And so maybe about six months later, he got in touch with me and asked, would I reach out to her and ask if he could email her? Wow. And so I did. And she said, oh, yes, please. And so they have been corresponding since that time. And when I did talk to him after he got released from parole, uh, he said that they have a friendship now and that he asked her, would she be willing to meet in person? And she said, yes, next time that she's in Florida, she would like to meet him. That's just amazing. Yes. And so just to see... You know, that doesn't happen very often where a victim's family will extend forgiveness or even if they have that, they don't get in touch with the person. And so I just think of that as being such a gift from God Mm -hmm. that he has allowed Charles, what I said to him, Charles, so can you see now that I've forgiven you, God has forgiven you, the family has forgiven you, the parole board has released you saying you've done your time, can you walk now in the freedom of Christ. And so that's my prayer for him. That is such a beautiful prayer. Last question. How do you stay free? How do you stay in a state of forgiveness over this picture you carried for so many years and invested your life in? Yeah. What does that look like? I think it might be easier for me than maybe for some other people that have gone through some very difficult relationships because I sensed, um, early on that, um, I sense from God that he was saying that Charles was not able to receive his love and therefore he couldn't truly give love. Mm. And so I really came from more of a place of compassion. I'm not saying that I was never angry and that, um, you know, I had to walk through that stuff. Um, but I, I think the compassion overrode the anger. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just thinking, first of all, I just feel so encouraged in the Lord myself, hearing God's hand in your story. Um, for somebody who would like to get in touch with you, how would they do that? 
Yes. Well, I have a website. It's called um, Kathy R. Lee dot com. So Kathy R. L. E. E. dot com. Um, and Kathy with a K. Kathy with a K. Mm-hmm. Yes. Kathy Lee. Or Kathy, Kathy R. R. Lee, Lee dot com. Um, and you also have this book and it's available on Amazon. And yes. Any- um, it's an if you wanted, if you were local, it is um, at the Chapel Books also, okay. which is at Calvary Chapel off of US nineteen. Correct, is that correct? Yeah, and it's called "Still Believing: Holding On to the Hope in Heartbreak" by Kathy R. Lee. All right. Well, thank you so much for being our guest, and thank you, audience, for being here. We pray that God just encourages our heart. I, I just know that I'm never going to look at lamenting the same ever again because there's beauty in that have a good week thank you for listening to kingdom conversations we look forward to you joining us next week